God or not? Is He an awesome God? When it comes to the Lord, it just stretches your vocabulary to reach for all the superlatives that you can find and tack them on His name, and then that's not enough. He just exceeds all of our ability to adequately glorify His name. But I'm still going to try. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon. Almost said this morning, but I didn't. Amen. It's still old, old habits die hard, don't they? And uh, for all of my life, Sunday morning I was in the house of the Lord. That's just, that was just it. I didn't, there was no missing it. And uh, I thank God for that heritage. I appreciate my raising. Amen. And it's so good to see you today in the house of the Lord and to worship the Lord with you. And uh, our pastor will be here in a little while. And he's been off ministering the word. And I'm sure they had a great time in the word with him. But don't you appreciate him? I tell you what, the last several weeks, Wednesday night has just been amazing. You know, there's an old saying, and all old sayings are not true. Like, still waters run deep. Still waters don't run at all. Hallelujah. Another one is, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. That one's not true either. Because this old dog has been taught a lot. Even at my age, coming to the house of the Lord. What teaching on the subject of forgiveness. You know, I'm sure some of you might start out kind of like I did. You sit there and you're thinking... Boy, this would be good for somebody, you know. You'd think of somebody this would be good for. Then all of a sudden, while you're thinking that, the Lord grabs you. And you find out it's good for me. And it's what I need. And it has brought me down here several times during the past few weeks where I searched my heart and sought the Lord. And He was so good to touch me. I just appreciate our pastor's teaching. And I hope you're regular and faithful to let him know how much you appreciate the word of the Lord. If you just knew churches, how little some churches are living on, I mean the, the level of preaching, the level of teaching is such and so diminished and yet there are people that in spite of that are faithful and living for the Lord, and I salute them. But I'm glad that we come here and it's lively. The Spirit of the Lord is here, and uh, the presence of God is, but the quality of the Word of God is just amazing. 
Praise the Lord. Whether he's talking about the tabernacle on Sunday Sunday morning, Sunday school, or whether he's talking about forgiveness on Wednesday night, we have church. And I want to thank God for our shepherd. Amen. I've had the Holy Ghost a long time, and I still need a shepherd. Amen. I'm glad I have one that when it comes to this pulpit, he forgets who I am and just teaches me what I need to hear. Praise God. I want to talk about God this afternoon. And uh, if you've heard me teach very many times, you've heard me make the expression that the more you know about the Bible, the easier it is to live for God. Or put it this way, the more you know about Jesus, the easier it is to live for the Lord. And that's the truth. The more you understand this book and understand who God is, it helps you live life and face what life dishes out without it being devastating to you and almost destroying your faith. Praise the Lord. I thank, as one man said, I thank God for Jesus. But in the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus said, He said, but the time shall come and now is. In other words, don't, don't keep looking for it, it's here. The time will come and now is when they that worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. And the next verse says, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I want to talk about the nature of God. I don't know, Brother Nolan, if you can help me. I feel like I'm in a cave. And I don't know if I need to back up, get a little closer, or or what. But it feels like I'm in a cave. That helps a little bit there. I appreciate it. You're doing a great job. I wouldn't want to be a sound man. I don't know anybody that gets fussed at more than sound men. But Brother Nolan, I'm not fussing. I'm seeking your help. Praise the Lord. The nature of God. Hallelujah. If we can just understand who our God is, it will make living for Him so much easier. We realize what a resource we have in the knowledge of God. It is a resource far beyond any others in the world. Hallelujah. I appreciate God. The nature of God. Who He is. I was talking to our pastor a few days ago before church 
And I said, you know, it's just amazing to me how good God was to Israel. The mighty manifestations of his power that he displayed among them from bringing them out of Egypt all the way through life. And in spite of that, it was just every little bit they went back. They went back to idolatry. Can you imagine worshiping a golden image after being in a Holy Ghost service in Wallace Ridge? Can you imagine being satisfied with a little something like that sitting on your dashboard? You know, there's one thing about when men make people saints, they can make them unsainted. Who was that used to be on the basketball? on the dashboard, Christopher, St. Christopher, and he was supposed to keep you safe in your car. And I can't tell you how many times I've come up on a wreck with St. Christopher sitting up there on the dashboard. Somehow it didn't work. But can you imagine looking to that little six or eight inch statue after having been in a Jesus name, Holy Ghost service? Praise the Lord. Can you imagine crossing the Red Sea, seeing Egypt drowned in the Red Sea, seeing God have Moses smite the rock and water gushes out and, and gives and takes care of the thirst of the people of God. When they're complaining about their diet, he sends a bunch of quail into their midst. And then... He gives them manna, and, I, and after a while they're even fussing about the manna and complaining. That, and I said, isn't it amazing that these people never could seem to get a hold of God enough that they could just hang on and be faithful? And Brother Stevenson said to me, you're right. But he said, sometimes we Pentecostal are just as bad. Have you ever, how many has ever had God answer a prayer? I'm saying every prayer, but a prayer. And bless you with a miracle. Give you a supply. Supply the answer to your need. And help you through a difficult time. But the next time something rises up and threatens us, we turn tail and run again. Cry out, God help me. How come? Why am I going through this? You ought to ask yourself, why am I not? This is part of being a child of God, is to face the enemy. But we're like that. I can't, and, I, and I'm not exempting me. God has worked some of the most outstanding and marvelous Miracles of answered prayer in my life, and yet I found myself under pressure, needing another answer, needing my needs supplied, and be worrying all over again. Looks like we would learn that, don't it? But God, help us to understand the God that we're serving, the nature of the God that we are serving. He said, God is a spirit. 
And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say that God had a spirit. It says that God is a spirit. That's your most fundamental and simple definition of who God is. He's a spirit. Hallelujah. But he's a unique spirit and different from any others that you know. I mean from Genesis chapter 1 verse 12 all the through to Revelation chapter 22 verse 17 the Bible teaches that God is a spirit and he works that way. In Genesis it starts out with the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In Revelation 22, it said the bride, or the spirit, and the bride say come. Amen. From beginning to end, the truth of God being a spirit is underlined and emphasized through and through and through. The Bible said in Luke 24, 39, for a spirit does not have flesh and blood as you see me have. Matthew 16, 17 says, in this passage it reveals to us that a spirit does not have flesh and blood. Luke 24 said flesh and bones. This means that God is supernatural, incorporeal. What does that mean? It means having no body, having no matter. He is a spirit being, usually invisible to human beings. But he has the ability and the power to become visible at his will. Hallelujah. God is invisible unless he chooses otherwise. Now, some people have claimed to have seen God. I don't argue with them. I have to tell you that in all the 70-something years I've lived for the Lord, I've never seen God. I have felt Him so real. I have felt Him so powerful that I can almost see God. But I've never seen Him. But I don't have to see Him to know Him and to walk with Him. I've never seen him, but I love him. <clears throat> Jesus said, blessed are those that have not seen, yet believe. Amen. Probably none of us here have seen God, actually. But we know him and believe in him. And he has brought us this far. Sometimes... The, you see, the, it also says in Exodus thirty-three twenty, God told Moses that no man could see God and live. Why is that? The presence of God is so powerful, so dynamic, so filled with awesome energy and power that if we were to actually be physically in that presence, our bodies would explode 
or evaporate and we would be gone. We couldn't stand it. It's too, it's, it's atomic. It's nuclear and beyond that. But sometimes God chooses to allow man to see him in a visible form. Whenever that may be, but no man can directly see the invisible spirit. Does God have a body? It's a spiritual body. Since God is invisible, is an invisible spirit, he does not have a physical body as we know it. He appeared in the Old Testament in different forms. An angel, a burning bush, a pillar of fire, and so forth. However, the Bible does not record any permanent manifestation of God until Jesus Christ was born. Jesus is the physical manifestation of the invisible God. That's why he could say to Thomas, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Praise the Lord. I'm glad tonight that I have seen him in that sense. You read in the word of God, the eyes, hands, feet, arms, the heart of God. What does that mean? This is figurative language or what is called anthropomorphisms, or interpreting of the non-human in terms of the human, so that we can understand who God is. I don't really, it's hard for a human being to comprehend deity, but I can understand when he said the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the earth. Now they don't really do that physically. I hope you hadn't seen them. It'd be kind of scary, wouldn't it? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro on the all the earth. But that's God's way of saying in physical human terms about the omniscience of Almighty God who knows everything. Praise the Lord. For example, the heart of God. Now, that doesn't do this. But it's talking about his intellect and his emotions, the heart of God. In Isaiah 66, 1, we see God sitting on a throne, and it fills all space, and his feet are propped up on the globe. The earth is his footstool. But is that really the way God is? It's He's sitting up there and his feet are dangling down here. No, it's describing the omnipresence of God. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the earth. I just quoted, beholding the good and the bad. I want to take a little time here to talk about these three major manifestations of God's nature, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Omnipresent means everywhere present. There is not a place in this 
creation that God is not. Nowhere. You know that poor soul that thinks he can get off by himself and do something he shouldn't be doing? Get away from God? Or the people that quit going to church to get away from God? That's a joke. When you walked out that door, God walked out there with you. Or he was already there. Now this is something to comprehend. This is amazing. For me to worry, can God take care of my needs, is crazy. It's insensible for me to let myself frustrate and worry about the things I need from God. He's everywhere. He's already there. When you go home tonight, he'll be sitting there in your house. But at the same time, he'll never leave this place. He's everywhere. Oh, what a great God. You can't run from God. You can't get away from him. David put it this way. If I go and make my bed in hell, behold, thou art God. If I take the wings of the morning and fly to the ends of the earth, thou art there. Where shall I run, he said, from the presence of the Lord? The answer is nowhere. Wherever I run to, he's already there. And when I think that I've gotten by with something, and I can just sort of sneak off and do something and get by with it, God's there. And God sees it. And I cannot get away from him. Omnipresent, as I said, means everywhere present. Praise the Lord. He's sitting out there in your car. He's out there in your pickup. He's out there in the parking lot. And he's right here with all of us. God is the only spirit that is omnipresent. Now Satan is a spirit too. But he's not omnipresent. Satan is a much more limited than some of us realize. He cannot be in more than one place at any time. He is a spirit that can only, he is limited. And a lot of times, what, when we talk about the devil, and we talk about the, the spirit of Satan, we're really talking about some of his angels that are ministering for him, not necessarily Satan himself. Because, now he can go from here to South America in a snap of your finger. He can travel from South America to Africa at the snap of your finger. But when he leaves South America to go to Africa, he's not in Africa anymore. But he has an army of demons. He has a band of wicked angels that fell from heaven's throne years ago and make up the army of Satan. And a lot of times what we're blaming on the devil himself, and I, you know, somebody said, you're blaming on the devil. Well, I don't really care. He deserves everything he's blamed for. And I'm not going to stand up and defend him. I'm just saying that, that sometimes we talk about the devil and we should be saying the devils. 
It's the demons that are his soldiers that are helping him in his wicked, wicked work. Praise the Lord. But God is an omnipotent, an omnipresent spirit. He is everywhere at once. Now some more on the omnipresence. When the Bible says that God came to the earth or appeared to man, that does not diminish his omnipresence. It simply means this, like there's an occasion when God said he came down from heaven to go and look at Sodom and Gomorrah. That does not mean that heaven was absent a God because he's omnipresent. It just means that God has focused his attention and activity on a certain individual or situation. As I've already mentioned, for instance, Sodom and Gomorrah, he came down. He really didn't have to come down. He was here. He uses our language. That's his way of telling us he's looking those two cities over. And he came down to search them out and to see the condition that they lived in. Praise the Lord. But he was already on this earth. But when he left the throne and he left heaven and came to look at Sodom and Gomorrah, heaven was not empty of God. Praise the Lord. When you go home tonight and leave this great service that we're going to enjoy in a little bit, we didn't leave, we won't leave God here. We won't go home and have to make it on our own and do without Him for a few hours. But if you could just understand that He went with you home, He's in your house, He's in your house. And he's there to be your God. Hallelujah. Thank God for the omnipresence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Then it says, God is omniscient. Omniscient means that God knows everything. You talk about tear up their program if God was to go on jeopardy. They couldn't bring up anything that he couldn't know about. Everything. I mean, even trivialities. Why? I don't know that it's all that important, but the Bible said, Brother Boo, that he knows how many hair I have. Now, count mine's a little harder than counting yours. But you still have enough that I wouldn't want to have to count them. But he knows how many hairs on your head. Now, you talk about trivia. And that's really not all that important. But he knows it. He knows the least important things to the most important things. Praise God. In Psalms 139, in the first six verses, this passage teaches that God knows everything. Our movements, 
our thoughts, paths, our ways, and words. He even said that he knows our thoughts from afar off. Now, what does that mean? God knows my thoughts before I think them. Hallelujah. And you sit there and worry about your needs and worry about your situation. God knows, dear child of God, what you're facing. God knows what you're going through. God knows the burdens you bear. He knows the frustrations that you're going through. And I know this evening that my God will see us through. Job tells us no thoughts can be withheld from God. Be careful what you think. That's why I even repent when I think something that shouldn't be thought. Nobody heard it. I didn't say it to anybody, but I just thought it. But God knows our thoughts before we even think them. I'm glad I serve a God like that. I want you to sit here this afternoon in confidence. First of all, that God loves you. The, another fundamental definition of God is love. God is love. Hallelujah. And did you know that every other virtue coming out of that is a derivative of love? He's light. He's life. He's power. He's a lot of things. But every one of them comes out of the fact that he is love. Hallelujah. God has complete knowledge of everything including the knowledge of the future. Now, omniscience is an attribute that belongs solely to God. He alone knows all. In 1 Timothy 1.17, the Bible said, He is the only wise God. Any other gods... They're just unwise. He's the only wise God. According to the scripture, no one else, including Satan, can read all the thoughts of man. Foresee the future with certainty or know everything there is to know. And lastly, God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. He is the sum total, the epitome, the completion of power. No other thing in man, made by man, or that exists is as powerful as the Almighty God. That's why over and over in the Word of God, He refers to Himself as the Almighty 
God. Dear friend, listen to me. You may think that you're nobody. You may feel sometimes, who am I? Who cares about me? But I want you to understand that God knows who you are. And God cares about you and all of his resources as the almighty God are you. Hallelujah. The fact that God is omnipotent proves there is only one God. Only one person in the Godhead. Because only one can have all power. I think I've shared with you before in teaching on the Godhead about a Trinitarian preacher I was debating with about the oneness. And I was using the scriptures about God's allness, all knowledge, all powerful. And I was talking about the power at this particular moment that God has, Jesus has all power. And in frustration, he said, I know that Jesus has all power, but that doesn't mean the Father don't have some too. I don't want him counting my tomatoes. Because when I say this, this is all the tomatoes, there ain't nobody else got any. That's all. And God, Jesus Christ, has all power. And I know you go through things. I know you hurt. I know sometimes we slip off by ourselves and we cry and we weep because of the frustration of life. Life can get to you, can't it? There's an old poem. I wish I could find it. If any of you ever come across it, please print it out and bring it to me. And the name of the poem, this goes way back when I was just a little old boy because it was one of my dad's uh, poems that he quoted. And it was, Life Gets Tejus, Don't It? And I remember this about looking at the title of that poem. Tejus was spelled T-E-J-U-S. Life gets tedious, don't it? And of course, we know that the word really is tedious. But don't it? Lord, have mercy. And you know what about life is? You get over one thing. You got the victory over one thing. You start enjoying one thing. And another one pops up. We don't hardly get a chance to rest. Until another one has popped up. Somebody said, well, I'm just going to go off and climb the Alps and hang me a hammock between two lodgepole pines, if the Alps have lodgepole. I'm going to hang me an, a, a, a hammock there, and I'm just going to lay back. I'm higher than everything. Nothing's going to bother me. He said, I got news to you. About the time you lay back, fold your hands, and start resting, the devil will stick up his head and say, Hey, when did you get here? He'll be there <laughs> wherever we go. That's life. It's tedious. 
It's trying. We go, one of the Bible said, we go from victory to victory. That's another way of saying, Brother Spence, we go from fight to fight. We go from faith to faith. It's a matter until Jesus comes for us of going through the old things, same things, over and over and over. The only, the only limitations that God has are those he willingly places on himself. Are, are those resulting from his moral nature and character. God is holy. He is sinless. He abides by his own moral limitation. Therefore, the Bible said, God, this omnipotent God, cannot lie. Because God cannot go against his moral nature. He cannot let anything come in our lives or do anything that is not in conformity to the Word of God. Aren't you glad this evening for a God that is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, and He's sitting there with you right now? Amen. He's there to hold you up. You made it here this afternoon because of Him. He helped you to get up, get ready, and come on to church. Have you ever got up and decided, I'm not going? I don't want to be around anybody. I remember doing that. I've done it more than one occasion, but I remember especially, I said, I'm just not going. I don't feel up to putting up with people. Now I just was sitting there not paying attention. Before I knew it, I'd put on my shoes, Sister Bethany. Put on my shirt. I got, I got dressed. Because you see, when you can't help yourself, God will help you get dressed. He'll see to it that you get dressed and get yourself out to the church. Have you ever felt so, Brother Bean used to say, he felt so low that he could walk under a couch with a top hat on. Now that's low. But you can feel that low. And God will and get on out to the house of God. And so help me God. In a few minutes. Your spirit begins to revive. As the Holy Ghost begins to work in a, ser in a service. Hallelujah. So even if you don't feel like it. Get up and get dressed anyhow. Get on out to the house of God. I don't care if you sit on the last row, sit in the far corner, and hide under your overcoat. Just get there. Because I tell you something, before the service is over, you'll be coming out of that overcoat. You'll be going down the aisle singing, I'm saved by His power divine. I'm saved by His love divine. Hallelujah. Thank God. For the innumerable attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's light. He's holiness. He's mercy. 
He's goodness. He's gentleness. He's righteousness. He's perfection. He's justice. He's, for fa- he's faithfulness. He's truth and His grace. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you know Jesus? And let me tell you something. You may not think you're very popular with people, but you're popular with Him. He loves you. When He went to the cross to die, the Bible teaches us He had us on His mind. And He literally had you specifically, individually. Sister Emma Diane hanging on that cross. He, was thought, he thought of a country girl in Louisiana that he was going to fill with the Holy Ghost and put in a Jesus-named church. That's the God we serve tonight. 